Thanks for listening to the Lunch and Learn with Dr. Barry, here to help educate, motivate, and put you on the right path to take control of your health through weekly discussions on topics in the medical field, public health arena, and in your community. And now your host, Dr. Barry. Hello, everybody, and welcome to another episode of the Lunch and Learn with Dr. Barry. I'm your host, Dr. Barry Pierre, your favorite board-certified internist, founder of drbarrypierre.com, as well as the CEO of Pierre Medical Consulting, helping you empower yourself with better health with the number one podcast for patient advocacy, affirmation, and education. And this week, we bring you an episode, a solo episode this week, with yours truly to discuss physician burnout on a personal level and talk about my personal opinions on the subject matter. If you've been around for the past three weeks, if you're not, uh, please uh, go ahead and start on episode 124, uh, starting with Dr. Nicole and uh, leading to Dr. Uh, Well, soon to be Dr. Kessie Joseph and soon to be Dr. April Thompson, as we talked about physician burnout uh, on the level from where did it first start? And then we started with like, hey, how are medical students dealing with a topic, right? Because I think a lot of times when we hear about physician burnout, we think it's something that happens to someone, you know, five to 10 years into practice. And we're learning very quickly uh, that even at the medical student level, they are experiencing burnout at a rate that, unfortunately, and honestly, is very scary, right? Because again, they haven't even really hit uh, the rough patch. I like to say medical school is tough, but residency, I think, is a lot tougher. And in real life, you know, you know, puts it, uh, you know, the bonus on the cake, right? So it's definitely something that is uh, definitely worrisome that as a medical student, they are experiencing these feelings that the physicians who've been out for 10, 20 years and who are just frustrated and uh, kind of fed up, I, I would like to say, uh, with, the, with the system um, are, are experience, starting to experience as well. So I wanted to kind of give my personal opinions, one, because people kept asking, hey, Dr. Pierre, what do you think about uh, physician burnout and what's your personal opinion? And most importantly, like, have you gone through a patch where you're like, yeah, you know what, I'm, I'm almost done. Like, I want to get out of here. So I definitely want to add uh, my two cents this week uh, on the episode uh, before we bring on a couple more guests to uh, finish this uh, topic of discussion. And remember, if you have not had a chance, go ahead, subscribe to the podcast. Again, definitely, especially if this is your first time listening, you know, leave us a five-star review. Tell us how you think about the episodes. And again, remember, start on episode 124 with Dr. Nicole and just kind of lead your way on this uh, amazing series of physician burnout and uh, the, the discussion that we're having. One of the sponsors for the Lunch and Learn Community Podcast is the Lunch and Learn Community Store, where you can find t-shirts, sweatshirts, coffee mugs, stickers, and wristbands with the motto, Empower Yourself for Better Health. Remember, 50% of all proceeds will go to the Five Star Scholarship Foundation, where we give out college scholarships to deserving high school seniors across the country. Thus far, we have given out over 20 deserving scholarships to students across the country. So again, 50% of the proceeds will be uh, blessed to the Five Star Scholarship Foundation. And today you can get the coupon code LUNCH20. You can get 20% off your purchase and you support these high school students across the country. Again, the Lunch and Learn Community Store is at shop.drbarrypierre.com and the coupon code is LUNCH20. Hey, what's going on, Lunch and Learn Community? It's Dr. Barry here, of course. So I wanted to really talk on this topic, one, because they, they asked me to do it. I wanted me to talk and kind of give my personal opinion uh, with a topic that we're going on. This is actually the fourth uh, episode on this series of physician burnout, and we, we, I think we got like at least one or two more 
uh, left to do to really kind of hit home uh, just the impact. Uh, because again, the legendary community, you know, I talk about, you know, empowering yourself for better health. And I talk about how physicians and those in the health community really are not immune uh, to the need to do it. And a lot of times where when we talk about, you know, taking care of others, a lot of times we don't take care of ourselves and physicians are uh, notorious uh, for putting themselves uh, last when it comes to, you know, taking care of their own needs. So when we with this topic, like a physician burnout, right, with this and again, if, again, if you have not, if this is your first time uh, listening, you know, check out episode 124 uh, and 125 and then 126, of course, uh, because uh, we kind of talk about what physician burnout is kind of in general. And what we've been doing is just really kind of touching base with, you know, the different levels of being a physician and how they're affected by a physician burnout. So I wanted to talk, you know, just just in how I'm familiar with it and, you know, have kind of come to terms uh, with this uh, important discussion on physician burnout that has really played such a role in not only the the career choices I've made, but also the, the career trajectory in and of itself. So as a as a medical student, you know, you, you understand that it's going to be a lot of work and they tell you it's going to be a lot of work, right? It's no, no surprise, no shock there. But what one thing that they didn't really tell you about, they think they don't prepare you for as, as a medical student is just the level of uh, strife that is there just in our profession. And when we talk about physician burnout, it's one of those, the, it's probably one of the common factors that are associated with why physicians aren't happy with what they're doing. Because, you know, they go into it with these uh, expectations, like, like, yes, I want to save the world. And they realize that, yes, they can still save the world, but there's a lot more that goes into it. Again, I, I tell my, my friends who are like musically inclined, like, yes, you can love music, but understand that this is a music business. And I think for what happens for a lot of my physician colleagues and, of course, medical students and residents, is they don't realize the level of business that's really associated with taking care of somebody. And it can be very disheartening when what they want to do or what they feel is right to do isn't usually in the best interest in the business standpoint. Because we we take care of patients, right? We take care of patients. That's what they are. They are our patients. They're the ones we love. They're the ones we want to take care of and see do well. But in, in the business of health, right, they are our customers, so when it comes to taking care of the customers and how do we take care of the customers and make sure our, our customers are well taken care of, a lot of times what you want to do for your customer, right, isn't necessarily what's best for them. And for a lot of us, we deal with that struggle that I want to do, I want to go this route, right? I want to be able to take care of my patients in this certain way, but it's not feasible to do so, whether it be the fact that uh, financially, right, I can't do it. Or socially, there's social factors that I can't do it. Or in institutional factors that don't allow me to practice the way I want to practice. So I, I remember as a medical student, as a medical student, I remember being kind of naive to the fact, because again, I was still in that, and this, I'm still in, right? I'm still in that, that stage where I just want to help people. I want to help people. I want to care for people. I want to take care of them. And starting to, you know, get in touch with, you know, uh, older physicians who, you know, they they, they they were seasoned, right? So they were like, yeah, that's yeah, great and all, but what, what else are you going to do? Like, how are you going to pay for that? How are you going to do this? And and all of a sudden, thoughts that were never, you know, 
you know, even brought up, right? Like never even brought to the imagination, right? Becoming interjected into your pathway, right? Because now you're starting to think about things that you never thought you had to think about. And it's interesting when we talk about as a medical student and as you're kind of deciding what you want to do for the rest of your life. Because for I know for I'm not sure if those in the learning community understand. As a medical student, you have about a couple years, right, to kind of you know do the medical student thing, and then you have about a year and change to kind of decide what you want to do for the rest of your life. Now, for some people, it's easy. And I remember going to school, understanding that I wanted to do you know primary care, outpatient medicine. Like I knew that was what I wanted to do. So it, it wasn't difficult for me. My choices were pretty uh, similar as far as either family medicine, internal medicine, maybe peds, right? Like I knew I wanted to do something in those three. But there are a lot of people who go to school and have no clue what they want to do or how they want to do it. So you, you're already starting to, that stress level is already starting to build up because you, you don't really have as much time as you think you have to choose the career of your life, right? So you have to choose that career. But while you're in the process of choosing that career, there are many different factors that you didn't even have to think about. One, like, you know, how, where are you going to be working at? Like, how much are they going to be paying you? Is that, is that lifestyle conducive to, you know, having a family and tr- or traveling or whatever your advice is? Um, it, those are thoughts you're, you're starting to think about and being interjected. And unfortunately, and I always tell like people, like when people, when we think about Yelp and those types of review sites, it wasn't made for positive reviews, right? It was made to say like, hey, I got a problem with this business and I need to let you know about it, right? Those Most of the review sites have, have been kind of originated from that concept. So what tends to happen, the same thing happened in medicine, right? So of course, the people who are doing well and who are happy in medicine, they weren't really as vocal about being happy as medicine, which because they didn't, again, they probably didn't think they had to. But the people who had the negative thoughts, the people who were like, oh my God, I can't believe I got to do this over and over and over again. Like those are the people we tended to hear about from the most. So you had these people kind of interjecting their thoughts and especially we're in on that impressionable stage and understanding that what they say, you know, holds so much value that all of a sudden now we're making career life choices uh, because of what someone said before you. A perfect example is the, the amount of people, and I still, it's crazy because I still hear it now, the amount of people who will discourage my female colleagues who want to do like surgery because they say, oh, you can't have a life if you're going to be a surgeon. And the, the amount of people, again, they, they don't discredit the men, right? And we all, we all know how that bias goes. They don't discredit the men on that. They always discredit, discredit the women. They always say like, oh, you can't have a family if you want to be a surgeon. And the amount of times I've heard my female colleagues say, oh, I didn't want to do this specialty because I wanted a family. It's such a disheartening fact because, again, remember, they have no clue about that specialty. All they know is from what people have told them. And from, unfortunately, again, the people who told them usually tell them in these these negative, you know, connotations and they've painted such a, a bleak picture that you have, you know, scores of people who don't go into professions because of what someone said about them. Oh, so, so again, imagine, again, if I was primary care and I'm in gung-ho primary care, but all I heard about was from people who told me how terrible primary care was, maybe I don't choose primary care, right? Like, maybe I say, you know what? If primary care is that bad, I need to stay away from it. So that's what was happening, right? That was happening now. Like, that's what's happening. And that starts early, right? Again, when uh, with episode 
125 and 26, you heard our two medical students kind of talk about, you know, just kind of dealing with the strife of uh, the stress of medicine and, you know, dealing with expectations that weren't their own and, you know, being put in positions where it became too overwhelming. So as a medical student, you know, I was, again, I was pretty, you know, pretty rock solid, right? Like I kind of knew like, yes, I want to do medicine. I want to do outpatient clinical medicine. So I'm fine, right? So I'm pretty unshakable. I didn't care what people said. It didn't matter, right? If they thought primary care uh, was weak or they thought primary care didn't pay enough, that, that wasn't ever my motivation behind it. So those words couldn't affect me. But what I what would happen, right? And again, when we fast forward and we get to uh, my residency and as a resident, I'm doing well. But again, as a resident, I'm still like, yep, outpatient medicine, outpatient medicine, like that's the thing to do because uh, that's what I want to do, right? Because that's, that's what I love. And fortunately, they didn't dissuade me as a resident, right? They didn't dissuade me to go away from medicine, outpatient medicine, but they also didn't encourage as well. Like I, I tell people all the time, um, as a as a resident, I probably did two thirds, right? Maybe you know about 70 percent of my training was done inside the hospital, seventy percent, which is a lot, and I didn't get that many opportunities to do outpatient clinical medicine because I, but I knew it was something I always wanted to do, so it didn't matter, right? It wasn't gonna deter my thoughts and my my wants. So despite not having as much experience in outpatient clinical medicine, I still went forth. I still went forth and I still did that. And it was, again, happy decision. I knew it was because, again, this, uh, even though I remember my first couple of years where I was, uh, I'd have my book, I'd have my phone, you know, I'd constantly be looking up medications, be looking up like, oh, what does what type of cream do I put on for here? And again, I had no shame. I would tell my patients, like, hold on, give me a second. I need to look up the dosage. I had no problem, right? My patients let me, so it didn't, it didn't matter to them. They knew I was fresh out of residency, so they knew I was learning uh, along the way. But they but they trusted me with their, their health care, so that was fine. And then I started really kind of getting what the business of medicine was like. Because I, I went to work for a company, um, actually for a hospital, um, who had some outpatient practices. So I went to work for them and started realizing that there was a lot of decisions that were being made that wasn't really in the best interest for the patient, but really for the best interest of the organization. And it was conflicting because, again, remember, as a pre-med, I was like, oh, I want to save people. I want to help people. I want to care. I do because I want to care. We all know what the personal statements read like. I want to do it because I care. But here I was uh, being put in positions where I was almost having to battle uh, with, uh, you know, my employer of what we should do for uh, the patient, right? And then here I was also being put in positions where I was having to battle the patient's insurance for what I want to do for my patient, right? And my outpatient clinical docs already noticed very well uh, the amount of work and stress that's related to dealing with insurance companies when trying to get the best possible care for your patient. It, 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 it's a daily process. Um, some people estimate that, you know, your productivity goes down by like 20 to 30 percent, like in a, in a regular outpatient office, just because you're dealing with the outside stressors of an insurance company denying claims and not approving authorizations. And again, for them, it's a business model, right? Because they understand if if 20 percent of the docs out there get their, you know, claims denied, 
right, or their their, their orders, um, you know, not approved, you know, that's going to save them billions of dollars a year, right? So it's a business model that's, you know, baked into the fact that they just don't approve some of the stuff they they, they don't approve. So I, I'm here dealing with, with that level of stress, uh, dealing with that level of uh, concern as far as like, what, what should I do? What's the best for my patient? And then I had, you know, my employer like, well, no, you should do this. You should do that. Right. So again, we, we were starting to kind of butt heads. And then I, I started realizing that I was in a position where I was, you know, an asset to a company that didn't really thought I was an asset to their company. Right. It was, which is a funny uh, position to be in. Right. Like when you know like, like, oh, like, you should be really, like, treat me better because, hey, I am the physician. I am the, the reason, literally, I'm literally the reason why uh, the light's on in this building right now, right? Because, again, if you don't have, and I was the only physician in the, the office. So, again, if you don't have a physician in the office, then you don't have a manager in the office. You don't have an office staff in the office, right? You don't have all the medical tools. Like, I'm literally the reason why, you know, the lights are on in that building. But you would make it, the way they would make it seem as if, I was just some accessory portion. And I think that's where physicians, especially, I'm going to speak for all of the physicians, right, who feel burnout or are feeling burnout, right? But I think that's where a lot of us, well, a lot of the, the stress is kind of being derived because, you know, you put all this work in, right? You put, you, you have all these sleepless nights, you have all those long hours in the library, and then you you run into a system that makes it seem like, no, you're just... Uh, one little cog that, that that can easily be replaced, right? You're just one, you know, little, little a pin here that we could just put somebody else in and keep it moving. And and that's I think that's the disheartening aspect of uh, medicine, you know, as you're getting older, right? Especially when you're not in the the if, especially when you're not walking the light that you need to be walking. And I I know a lot of physicians who are in this same position, and this is. You know, regardless of the specialty, regardless of the pay, right? Because and and I tell people all the time, like medicine is not the thing you go in for pay, anyways, right? Ma- imagine you spend you know almost like twelve, thirteen years of your your life, right? Like studying for something, right? So and trust me, you the the amount that they pay doesn't equal to the amount of work that you put in. So it's not for the money, right? So again, because there's this is across specialties, right? These are there's there's people in specialties who get paid half a million dollars a year and they're miserable absolutely miserable with having to go to work absolutely miserable uh, with having to kind of deal with the day-to-day stressors that medicine has placed them in right and for reasons that don't have to deal with the patient right just stuff that's just kind of above their hands that they can't even affect or control and, and when you get into a position where you can't affect or control you know what's happening and it's just and stuff is just kind of happening to you, right? That beats you down, beats you down on daily. And and I'm in, trust me, I'm in a few physician groups, right? Who who feel this way, right? Who are I mean, I'm in some physician groups that like you know out, outer career, like it's almost like a hey outside of the physician career, like what other, what else can I do, right? And you should see the amount of people who are in these groups, right? The amount of physicians who are in these groups who are looking for a way out of medicine. I saw an article recently that talked about. How majority of physicians would not recommend uh, their family members go into the practice of medicine, right? Which is sad. Again, I would I would tell my daughters and son all the time, like, hey, please come, come join me, Be- become a doctor, right? Because because I know that there are there are certain factors that are that are at play that affect us, right? I know there are certain factors that 
um, you know, attribute uh, to us, you know, wanting to be tired, wanting to be burnt out. So, and there's ways to get around that, right? And I think that was one of the big things that um, I was I was very happy, especially with our last two guests when they talked about how, like, in the school, in the school, like, they're instituting, you know, you know, processes to try to get around the fact that, like, hey, we know we have a system that routinely beats you up and beats you down and, and this and you know and discredits you and you know ma- makes you become depressed like we know that right because again it's that and i think that's the big thing this is not a secret anymore uh the system of health the system of health care is is almost kind of made uh, to beat people down right um and you have to you know install measures to avoid that uh, in in residency, we call that resident wellness, right? You have to install measures to avoid uh, the beat down, right? You have to install measures to let your residents know, like, hey, we are here for you. Uh, please relax. Please go to sleep. Like, please do these things that any common person would probably do, but because of the system that you're in, right? Because of the healthcare institution that you're in, uh, you, you probably don't realize that those opportunities are afforded to you, or you probably realize that if you try to take some of those opportunities, someone else may try to discredit you, which is crazy, right? Again, we, we, physicians and mental health—that's a whole—that's a whole long discussion. Um, but because we don't take care of ourselves, right, we deal with some of these stressors that we don't have to deal with. So I, I think, especially when we when we when we talk about you know just in my position, right, where I'm like, hey. Yeah, I don't like where I'm at right now. I don't like my job. And again, I don't. It's not like I didn't like my patients. I love my patients, uh, but the the p- position that my job was putting me in uh, was something that I realized I had to go. But now I was very fortunate. And again, I, I've talked about this in the past. Um, you know, you know, working with my coach and you know my business coach and who you know help kind of guide and kind of open doors and open just a different mindset uh, associated with what healthcare was. And, you know, kind of help, you know, turn my life around and, you know, almost almost do like a complete like 180 on just this process of uh, burnout. Right. Like, yeah, because at this time right now, I'm the happiest I've ever been in medicine. Right. Again. And it's funny. Right. Because again, I'm only I'm 2019. So I'm only like five years out of medicine. I'm only five years out of residency. Right. So I'm not a seasoned vet who's been around 10, 15 years. I'm five years out. But I was already experiencing you know, symptoms of burnout that quickly. And we, and you know, just again, if you catch 20, you know, episode 125, 126, you know that now medical students are feeling that burn as well too, right? So we understand that this isn't a process that's going to only affect us after you've been in for 20 years. That's not, it's not the case anymore. And, and you're having more and more people decide away from this profession, right? Or you're having more and more people decide away from certain specialties, uh, because they don't want that risk of burnout or the risk of burnout is less. Because like I said, you can be burnt out in every single specialty, right? Because if the systems and the powers that are above you um, aren't letting you practice the way you want to practice, aren't letting you take care of your patients the way you want to take care of them, like you're going to feel that way. So to my colleagues now, right, like I, I want to just kind of talk about some of the things I did. Like you know, one, I, I really had to ask myself, like, all right, what am I doing this for? Like, what am I doing this for? Who am I doing this for? And what can I envision myself doing? And, and that's when I really started to make the change and, you know, really started understanding like, hey, I love medicine. I love being able to take care of people. But the fact that 
Uh, I'm limited by who I can take care of just because of proximity is a problem for me, right? And it was becoming such of a problem that it was starting to build and build and build. And, and that's when I said, I need some way to be able to kind of, you know, teach and, you know, uh, you know uh, educate and care for the masses as much as I possible. And that's why we started, you know, doing, you know, the videos. And that's why we started doing the blogging. And that's why, that's why I eventually did the podcasting, right? Because I, I realized that, a part of what was holding me down, holding me back, uh, was this need to really want to help more people than I was just able to help. And then helping utilize, you know, social media and everything else uh, to kind of expand the message along. And again, and I, again, I was, I, I, I thank my coach for that because again, that's, that was, you know, one of the things he instilled in us, right? Like, you know, how to, how to get out of the box of medicine, right? That is, you know, you know, suffocating you. Right, because for a lot of people, a lot of people feel suffocated. A lot of people um, hate. Again, and I talked about this. A lot of physicians who are in the burnout process, feeling the burnout, it's not like they're quitting. Right, they are not quitting. They are still taking care of your mom, your grandpa, your grand. They're still taking care of family members. They're just not doing it in the most efficient way possible. Right, they're not doing it in the most happiest state possible. Right, so if you had to choose, like, hey, I gotta choose Doctor A who's extremely happy, loves what he's doing, has no experience of burnout, and he needs to take care of my grandma. Or Physician B, who's sad, hates that they even have to come into work, you know, you know, dreads the drive into work, can't wait uh, till, they, till they leave and clock out for work. Like, like which, which physician do you want taking care of you, right? And so that's all I ask, right? So it's just to kind of understand, like, yes, this is a problem, at hand, this is a problem that affects a lot of people, right? Again, not gonna say everybody, but it affects a lot of people uh, from that standpoint. There. So moving forward, when we talk about you know some ways to kind of help you know decrease uh, your feelings of burnout, like I think it's important uh, to understand that you know what you have to take care of you first, because if you don't take care of you, if you don't address what you need out of uh, this life, which we call medicine, right? Like you're gonna be in trouble. So understanding who you are, understanding what your needs are is going to be the first step because that's how you're going to be able to go say, hey, you know what, now that I know what my needs are, how am I about to go and, you know, fulfill those needs? Right? How am I about to say, like, all right, I know I need to be able to do this, this and that with my life while doing medicine. Let me make sure I'm doing that so everybody else is well taken care of. And then when you go on and, and really acting on it, as a physician, we're we're so selfless when it comes to our patients, uh, but we're not selfish enough when it comes to ourself. Right? We don't take care of our own selves. We don't get our own doctor's checks. We don't, we don't, we won't seek a counselor when we're grieving. We won't do all of these things that any other, any other time you would tell your patient to do. We don't do any of that stuff. And because we don't do any of that stuff, uh, we are putting ourselves in harm and eventually we're putting our patients in harm. And if you had to say like, is your goal to put your patients in harm? Of course, the answer is going to be no. So you have to take care of yourself, right? Be selfish, right? Be selfish. Understand, you know, when you're hurting. Understand when you're depressed. Understand when you need to just get away. I would just, um, I was talking to a colleague of mine. When I, when I suffered the broken fibula, for those who may not know, I suffered a broken fibula chasing after my son. When I suffered that broken fibula, I was out of work for about five weeks. When I tell you, the, the last time I had to think about my longest vacation uh, was in between graduating from residency and starting my job. Now, again, most, most, people, most, most physicians aren't taking a whole month off, uh, but 
when, when I think about like the the long like I think the longest stretch I've been out of work is maybe like a week or so, right? But it, it comes so few and far between that I can almost remember when I did it. And and understanding that like, oh, you know what? This break is actually good for me because I, I kinda need to get away, I kinda need to refresh, kinda need to re-energize. And it was such a good experience that I was like, okay, I gotta make sure like I actually start instilling these times right so instead of saying like oh i'll just take a day off here and i'll be back like no maybe take two days off maybe take three days maybe take a whole week right and and don't feel the the burden of like oh if i'm gone for a week i'm gonna have so much work for me when i get back don't don't worry about that just take your week off and enjoy your week uh and and then understand if the work is there the work is there it's not going anywhere anywhere. you are gonna have to do it regardless so my why as well enjoy your week off while you're doing it so uh, be selfish, right? You know, understand who you are, understand, you know, your needs. And then that's how you're going to fulfill the patient, right? Like that's how you're going to avoid uh, this process and this, these, these process. Again, like, again, I call it a process, right? Avoid this process of burning out, right? Because it's, 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 it doesn't happen overnight. It, it, beat, it beats you up when you're a medical student. It starts chipping away when you're a resident. And it really hits home. And but for some people it gets sped up, some people it gets slowed down, but it eventually does it because just unfortunately like, the way our system is kind of set up to do. So um, again, that's that's my thoughts, right? And I, I don't actually talk longer than expected. Um, that's my thoughts on you know burnout and you know what my personal experience with burnout and you know what I think you should do um, if you're starting to experience that. Right? Be selfish. It's it's okay, right? Because. Uh, you, you, if you don't take care of yourself, again, how are you going to take care of others? So, and uh, oh, oh, I was uh, I typically ask my guests, you know, what, 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 how is uh, what you're doing helping to empower others to take better control of their health, right? So, and I'm usually usually we're talking to the lunch learning community, but this time I'm really talking to my colleagues here who listen, who I know listen to the show as well. Um, understand that if 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 you don't give yourself the power to take care of you, um, no one will. Right. So being able to take care of yourself always starts with the person themselves. Right. Like they have to be able to I get I tell my patients, you have to be able to say, yes, I want to get healthier. Yes, I want to do better. Right. If you don't do that, if you don't, whether it's verbally, whether you're writing it down in a book or a journal, like if you don't like outwardly say, yes, I want to do this thing, it'll never happen. You guys have a great and blessed week and we're going to see you next week, guys. Thank you for getting to the end of the show. I am your host, Dr. Barry Pierre, host of The Lunch Learner, Dr. Barry. And this is another amazing episode that we like to bring to you week after week on betterment of empowering yourself for better health today. If you have not had a chance, please go ahead and subscribe to the show if this is your first time listening. If you already listen and you've already subscribed, make sure to leave me a five-star review because your support is absolutely important in keeping the show moving as it is and if you have not had a chance and you want to check out today's show notes always head over to lunchlearnpod.com that is lunchlearnpod all in one word dot com and you can get the access to my show notes for every single episode but especially the one you just listened to and i'm gonna see you guys next week you guys be blessed bye